My name is Josh Williams, as Todd said, the lead pastor here. And, you know, we got this extra hour. I heard a joke. It's like, this means pastors can preach one more hour on Sunday. No, we're not going to do that. I don't have an extra hour to preach. So we're not going to be about that. Um, but hopefully uh, we will have a time together where the Lord will meet us and continue to do so. I want to pray uh, as we begin. There's something uh, that I love in the scriptures where Jesus says, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, like let them hear. And I want to pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear whatever God is doing. And as Todd said, it's not always our natural eyes and ears. Sometimes it's our spiritual eyes and ears, like whatever those things are, but like the ways that we capture information and see what's going on. So I just want to pray that over us. God, thanks so much for what you're doing, what you're up to in this space. And we pray for those eyes to see and ears to hear what you're up to and what you're doing in this room, in this church, in this world. Come, Lord, have your way. Have your way, God. So I want to start off by sharing uh, two stories. Uh, we've been going through this series called Empower. I'm going to share more about that, give you a little bit of a recap. But one of the things we're talking about today was we're moving from kind of thinking about the kingdom to actually looking at how does the kingdom kind of look like in our world today? Like, how could we tell the kingdom has come? There's a lot of ways to do that, but there's some real practical things that God talks about, like even ways that like he moves, Jesus moves in the world, that we can move in the world too. You see a list of that as we promote Empowered every week. You should really come. It's amazing. Monday's at eight. Um, but some of those things are, you know, praying for healing. We'll talk about that next week. And today we're going to talk about hearing from God or the gift of prophecy. So I want to share a story about this gift as a way that the kingdom came in our city, in New Haven, but in wildly different context. Just as a way of saying, like, God, guys, this, this happens. Like, God does this work, and we can pursue God together, even if the context in which this is happening is so different. The first story takes place in Fairhaven. It's a neighborhood probably at a mile this way. Uh, it's one of the places in our city where you're like, I'm driving from Fairhaven. Sometimes that means you're driving 20 minutes. In our city, that's a little far. Um, it was a year where there was a lot of violence happening in our city. I think right now we're at 20 homicides. I think that time we were a little bit uh, more than that. And there was a lot of violence happening in that section of our city in Fairhaven. I remember uh, there was this invitation to go and to go and pray for different folk. And for me, I'd been learning and trying to grow in confidence and hearing from God in our own church setting at ECV. And I was growing in that, like didn't, felt shaky sometimes. I was like seeing, like, okay, what would it mean to pray uh, for God for people I don't know? And also in a situation that's so different from the context of our church, it's always met downtown, had different kinds of folk, but not as many people from Fairhaven. So I just thought, let's go for it. And we went, we kind of, our, we're a group of maybe seven or 10. We were greeted by police that had AK-47s that day. I'm like, I don't know where that unit went. I'm kind of glad I don't see it all the time. It was like they were carrying some heavy, heavy stuff walking around this neighborhood. Not necessarily the most encouraging sign. And we went to a corner store, asked, can we pray, you know, for, for you all? Nope, no, no dice, uh, rejection. It's like, this is not a great start. And then we walked and found uh, a group of kids that were just playing outside of a house. I think it was a mom or a grandmother next to them. And we said, hey, can we pray for you all? And they said, sure. It was like a leader said yes. Like, and then everyone was kind of looking to that leader. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then we prayed, just waited on God for God to say something, for God to speak. I was like, what's gonna happen? I don't know, but we're here, so I might as well just listen. 
What I saw in my mind's eye, like in a place of imagination, was this little kid that looked like one of the kids we were praying for uh, in front of a mirror, rapping, like going back and forth with a verse. And I felt like it was a sense of this is what this person does before they go to sleep at night. It's like do this kind of, kind of creative act of you know, lyrics and all this stuff. So I say that, and all of a sudden everyone starts laughing. I'm like, hey, I see a picture. I think it might mean this. Does that relate to anyone? And everyone just starts laughing. I'm like, oh, is it, are they laughing at me? Okay, I shouldn't be insecure when kids laugh at me. This is a rule in my life. I try not to do that. Roots, please don't make fun of me right now. Um, but they laugh, but then they start pointing at one kid. And they're like, that's you. That's you. I'm like, oh, I think this is like about this kid. And then a few of us had other words for these kids to the point where maybe five, ten minutes later, they're like, wait, like they're telling us about ourselves. They're telling us about ourselves. I always remember that phrase. And if you are a Bible reader, you know there's some scripture that says, like, this is a person that told us about ourselves. And it's this incredible, like, kind of knowing that happens. And we just bless them and said, that's not us. That's God. That's your God. Like, your God knows you. We don't know you. Remember? Like, you don't know us at all. But, like, we were able to establish this connection and pray because God knows you. And God knows you so well. And you could tell that meant something to them. And it definitely meant something to, like, the matriarch that was kind of, like, standing and watching. Like, that was great. It was like a great, simple day of ministry. Different context. And for us, especially those who were praying, it was kind of great because we didn't know how to connect as well with those kids. There was language barriers. There were class barriers. There were different barriers. But it seems how somehow God's voice connected us. Another story. This one is just less than a block this way at Old Campus um, where Yale's, most of them, first-year students stay. And there's a person that comes around our community uh, I don't know, maybe every other year, every two years, that's a prophetic minister that encourages our community. Uh, some of you guys know him. I've, I received prayer ministry from him. His name is Robin. And so when he comes, I love it because he speaks encouragement and hope over our people in a way that I think they relate to, people get encouraged. But over the years, something's been a little frustrating for me. I'm like, wait, so we hear from this guy, but he encourages us to pray for other people. But sometimes it feels like when he comes, it's like we're just listening to him. Like, aren't we, you know, able to also do this stuff too? Which is like his main message. It's like, this is like what you can do too. And sometimes I'm like, wait, if we know that he's going to give like good and encouraging words to us, why aren't we bringing like our friends? Like, this is kind of confusing. Why is it just like us getting more words? Like, we already know a lot about what God's doing in our lives from our own community, from our home groups, from our relationship with God. So I was like, I'm going to try something new. It's a little bit of a trick. I said, hey, we're just going to meet outside. It's not going to be inside this time. It's going to be outside. Just come. Here's the address. Like, check it out. And then I went to Costco, um, and I bought $400 worth of food. And I got someone to barbecue on old campus, and we got a permit. And then we had a $400 barbecue on old campus. And this person thought, uh, hey, I think I'm just going to go and share with a few other ECVers. That was partially true. There were some ECVers there. There were some other uh, Christian folk there from different ministries. But also what happened was we just said there's free food on you know, old campus. And if you've been a college student or no college students, they're hungry. They want some food, right? So they came. And this a little gathering, started just like with Robin, giving some words for a few people. All of a sudden, there was like a line for 10 people, you know, just waiting. Mostly people we knew from the ministry world. And then I think some things started to happen, like God was doing some good ministry. And then the line grew to like 20 people, and then to 40 people. And now I was like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know like what's going on. I hope Robin's not mad at me. But this is exactly what I wanted to happen. This is great. This is fantastic. I love this. And we were cooking that $400 worth of food. That was like, we actually, you know, got rid of it. It was great. Now, my favorite moment of the whole time was a person that waited maybe like 10, 15 minutes. 
and don't know them at all, don't know their faith background, you know, what their story is, if they know like what prophecy is or what prophetic ministry is. And Robin was doing such a great job to translate what he was saying. It wasn't just like, here's like this verse about, you know, this Bible character, Methuselah. Like, it's like, no, like there were words that were very much like tangible for them. And it was also really dignifying. Like, hey, can I pray for you? Even though people were in line, all these things. So Robin's just like, can I pray for you? And this guy almost looks like, like offended. He's like, dude, I've been waiting for 15 minutes. Of course you can pray for me. Duh. Like, I'm like, wow. And then he proceeded to get like amazing prophetic ministry. It's like, wow, God can move in all these different ways. Whether it's in Fairhaven or whether it's in Old Campus, whether people are, have a religious background, maybe they have their grandmother's faith currently, or whether like that dude that was like, um, if I'm waiting 15 minutes, give me a prophetic word, whatever that is, like whether they have no faith background, God can move, God can speak. And that thing that's the central piece is, I think it's because God can know us. God can know any one of us. And the key is just trusting that it's worth hearing what God has to say. Turns out that's a bigger deal, and that's harder sometimes than we think it is. But for these two groups, from Fairhaven to Yale, like they experienced God, they experienced the kingdom. Our church, that's one of the hearts that we have, the heartbeat that we have is to connect like these communities together. A community like Fairhaven, folks that are born and raised in our city that have never been on old campus, might not even know what that phrase means, although they know it's that place that isn't them. And also people who have been, since 18, been afforded place in those ivory towers. Our church has always been a place where we've had the hopes of being a connecting place. And you know how we think that's gonna be done? Not through our smarts, not through our preaching, not through our brilliance, but through things like the power of God. Because we know that God can know us even when a preacher might not know what to say. Even when downstairs at Sprouts, we might not know how to do things. Like, we just might not. But God can connect us. God can bridge us together. And we felt called time and time again over these 16 years to be that kind of community. And it all depends on hearing from God, trusting that God's kingdom is coming. God's kingdom is at hand. I want to give a little bit of a quick recap on what we've done. We talked about Jesus's core message. It's not about, you know, just repent it's not about, hey, there's sin that you have. It's not about, you know, get right, get cleaned up. It's actually about the kingdom of God, God's good rule and reign in the world. It's not a magical kingdom. It's not a Disney kingdom. It's actually an authority, a space of authority that God's bringing that makes wrong things right. We've talked about how that comes in really simple ways in the Gospels through evangelism and recruiting as Jesus tells people to follow him and people change their allegiance to follow Jesus where there's deliverance and healing and indeed prophecy. We even have used kind of these examples of if the blue represents this kingdom of God fully manifested and the red scribble is our broken lives, whether it's personal or what we see in the news, this space of purple and the purple dots are the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God being at hand. Ministry that's powerful, that happens, that takes a little bit of God's kingdom and puts it in and around the world. And where's the church in all this? The church is trying to catch up to what God is doing through the kingdom, saying this is a great place to learn how we can grow in kingdom practices. The church isn't the kingdom. Like, that would be awesome, but it's just not. The church gets things wrong, as we know. But God's kingdom is a place that's at hand and coming. And at church, we want to be equipped to do this work and to be sent out in our workplaces, in our families, in Fairhaven, at Yale, all over, to see God's kingdom come. So we've used this question of like, what time is it right now? It's time to remember the kingdom is present, it's at hand right now. 
It's time to remember the kingdom battles against a counterfeit kingdom that wants to distract us. There's so many things that say, nope, the kingdom isn't at hand. You're disqualified. The kingdom isn't at hand. There's other stuff you need to do. The kingdom isn't at hand. Pursue other stuff, wealth, busyness, reputation. But we have to remember, God's kingdom is at hand, and we can seek it first and see God come in power. And it's also time to risk and to trust. And we've done some of that every Sunday here at ECV uh, during the series, and we've definitely done it on Mondays uh, at Empowered, which has been a fantastic time. I'm going to share a story from that a little bit later. So it's the time to pursue God's kingdom. And today we're going to talk about how it comes through simply noticing him. Andy Saperstein, our retreat speaker, and also uh, our guest speaker last week at ECV, talked about noticing God's voice. And we're going to talk about the gift of prophecy in a little bit, but the foundation of that is really trusting that we can hear the voice of God. I need to ask you a question first about uh, this voice of God and really how we receive authority, how we receive uh, different voices in our lives. Follow me here. So, question for you all. Who played sports as a kid or who is currently in roots and has played sports right now? Raise your hand. So this is many of us, I think far, by far the majority. You can keep your hands raised. Who has a coach now or who had a coach in any of those sports? Okay, still got many. Okay, just shout out and describe the coach. I don't think one of the coaches is in the room that people could talk about, so I think we might be good. But to like describe the coach with just like a word or a phrase that you either had or that you have now. Oh, sorry. I mean, no, there's not. They're not. Okay, name, shout out something that describes your coach. Encouraging. Persistent. Loud. We're going to get to that. Anyone else? This side of the room? Belittling. Okay. Keep it true. Keep it true. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Anyone else over here? Did you say bigger than the sport? Wow, that's great. I'm like, I want you to give the message now. That was awesome. Bigger than the sport, belittling, loud, encouraging. What was yours again? It was encouraging. And then yours was persistent. Yes. So there's so many ways to describe a coach. Um, I, too, was a person that played sports uh, as a kid. Not well. Um, but, you know, this is an action shot. I was like, I hope there's a shot where it looks like I'm doing something, like, kind of good. Like, maybe I am. I'm pretty sure this is, like, the last minute of the game. Like, you're off the bench. It's like, hey, just throw in the other people. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure. Um, but your coach really matters. And it's funny how when you're on the court, so many people are screaming, right? So many people are cheering. They're making noise. Let's be honest. Maybe they're not actually screaming for you, but they're just screaming because their kids like watching or like they're talking. We had a lot of people just talk at the games. They weren't watching, but they were just chatting. Some of y'all know those folk. Um, but you can hear your coach's voice usually, right? Like out of all that chatter, you can hear the voice of your coach. I'm seeing some nods. And you're like keyed in. Like, what do I need to do? Like, am I playing well? Like, you know if you're about to be benched, usually from what your coach is like doing or saying. And you also know if you're on the bench that you might come in soon. And some coaches, I was gonna ask this, like they're loud. Like I had a loud coach. This guy is on the right. Uh, this guy, and we got some hardware as a team. Again, I don't know how much I helped get the hardware, but like we got some. But I had a loud coach, I had an angry coach, and I had a coach that I think there was like some choice words where I was like, wow. Like, I have not heard that word before, but I'm hearing it, and it is during our Catholic school sports practice or games. That is how I'm learning these words. This is a little crazy. 
I heard the voice of my coach, even with all the other noise. Probably see where I'm going with this, right? Like hearing from these voices of authority in our lives, whether they're coaches or teachers or parents, it really matters. And it turns out we can like kind of hone in on what they're saying. And I think their voice usually shapes our behavior. Are we a little bit more timid when we get to the court? A little bit more nervous? Are we relaxed? Do we feel like we can just play free? I heard someone say this, they're like, their coach said, you've prepared, play free. I'm like, where was that coach? That's awesome. Like you've prepared, just play free right now. That's great. Like our lives change depending on the voices we have for our coaching in, our, in life. I think that's true of sports, but like Sinclair said, it can actually be bigger than the sport. I think the best of coaches have a room in our lives beyond the court or the field, but they can encourage us in different ways. That's how to really use authority well. I know there's at least one coach that does that in the room. Andy taught us this last week, the character of the voice of God matters. Hearing God's voice matters, and it's the foundation for all of this, because why would we hear from a certain kind of God? Why would we try to listen to an angry God? Or if we are listening to an angry God, are we really going to think that angry God is speaking about us or about others, others that we're judging, others that we're trying to be against? We wouldn't listen to ourselves for ourselves because we couldn't take that. But there's something we see in the ministry of Jesus that is the foundation for what God's voice sounds like. This is not after Jesus has saved the world. It's not after the cross. It's not after the resurrection. This passage about this voice coming from heaven is before Jesus starts anything at all. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. God shows up to Jesus as a heavenly father, and in that Jesus gets encouragement. Jesus gets a kind of comfort, a kind of uh, support and endorsement that doesn't come from what he does, but comes from who he's related to. I know for so many people, just being a pastor, that phrase Heavenly Father can bring up so much. For some people it's really helpful because they have a sense of their dad wasn't around or they have a pained relationship. For other people, they need to see God in images of the divine feminine. Like when, God's, when Jesus says, uh, when it's in the scripture, that there's a hen that gathers up its chicks. Or maybe people that have a wound with a mom it's encouraging to see God, not just as a loving parent, but as a mom too. There's all these ways we can see God as a loving parent, and that's what Jesus does. And I think we're meant to look to him as our authority. God is our loving parent, and that voice is a voice of love and a voice of encouragement. I think if some of us feel like God is going to mock us, we're not going to listen. We feel like God's going to nag us, we won't pay attention to that. If we feel like God's always just talking about what we're doing wrong or disqualifying us, why would we tune into that? But what if God was a loving parent, loving authority, caring for us, coaching us, supporting us, encouraging us, persistent with us? That's a God we can tune into. This is a voice speaking for our good. It's a voice that I hope is here right now. I'm going to pray that God's voice would be present as we continue today. Jesus, thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you speak to your sheep, you speak to your kids and you speak, God, with an encouraging voice. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this time. Amen. We're going to talk just about a few things with prophecy. Again, there's a whole night happening tomorrow that's going to give way more detail, way more time for practice. So if you see me speeding through this, 
hey, come to tomorrow's workshop at uh, Empowered. You should do it. So prophecy. We're going to talk about why, what, and how. Why prophecy? And specifically, the question I'm going to ask is, why is prophecy connected with love? Why am I connecting with love in terms of hearing God's voice, the voice like a loving parent? And why does Scripture do that? One of the most famous sections about love is right before, I think, the most comprehensive teaching we have about how we can prophesy in uh, the church, you know, in the age of the church. And it's connected to this scripture about love. I know it's a scripture that some people uh, know a lot about or have read at weddings or have heard about, but I just want to read it for us because it's about the character of love that I think is the character of God's speech towards us. If I speak in the tongues of humans and of angels but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. We know, for we know it only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love remain, these three, and the greatest of these is love. It seems like from this, love is the end, love is the complete, love is the whole, and prophecy can help us get there, but it will fade away when love fully comes. But there's this next verse in 1 Corinthians 14. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And it says this, kind of doubling down on love, but also this other way, the way of prophecy. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Why? Why does it connect this passage about love and what we're going to read about prophecy with this encouragement exhortation? Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, gifts that are about building up the body of Christ, especially prophecy. And if you remember the passage, I think a lot of it's because love is a lot of things. Love is kind. Love is enduring. Love is this. Love communicates. And what's prophecy all about? It's about communication. It's about speaking. It's about connecting. It's about making something that might not be known, known for the sake of the other. Almost like trying to do a divine shout which I think a lot of times is God saying, I love you. Like, I really love you. Like, I know that you've heard that, but I love you. I love you. I love you. When I was hearing God's voice, that's literally just what I heard. God's like, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm like, I'm trying to pray for people. It's, I love you. I love you. Like, but it was really helpful for me to be soaked in God's love. So I had the encouragement that this was a free gift, the love of God, and prophecy was connected to God's love, and I should be sharing it in a spirit of love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. In uh, our group Empowered, we've had examples of this already, uh, engaging in prophecy, trying to hear from God, and we've seen the why of that, 
why God seems to do that. There's a person that came that when we were doing our uh, uh, message on baptism of the Spirit and experience of God's love and being filled with the Holy Spirit, this person said, it's been a while since I've heard or connected with God. So I want to volunteer to be prayed for, but I just need to tell you that. Kind of like saying, guys, I don't want you to feel bad when nothing happens. It's really about me. You know, sometimes we do this. Like, this is going to, I'm going to volunteer, but really, this won't work. It's about me, not you all. That was kind of like how it started. And then as we were praying, someone had a word that said, I see a picture of God, like, yelling at you. And it's like, because you're not taking off your, uh, your hat at the dinner table. And I don't think that's who God is. Discernment and interpretation are important here, right? Like someone saying, like, I see that picture. That's exactly who God is. Nope, we can know from Scripture, from God's heart. That's not true. But the person was saying, I feel like you might think that's who God is. But it's not. God is welcoming you. That person had an experience with God, starting to tear up a little bit, starting to have, like, a little bit of manifestations of the Spirit where the Spirit seems to almost be heavy, like a substance, like them shaking a little bit with, like, the power of God's love. And at the end, they were just like, I haven't experienced this for so long. And that was the emphasis, like, for so long, I haven't experienced this. And that word, that prophetic word of just saying, I feel like this is how you see God, but it's actually something else. They had no business knowing that, but it somehow God connected because prophecy is about love about communicating God's love to others. So, you know, what is this prophecy? Well, I can tell you what it's not. Now, this could be a lot more funny, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Promise, right? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But there's prophecy confusion. There's movies. There's books. Like, I don't know if anyone has seen the 1970, I think, nine classic called Prophecy. Um, This won't be long, I promise. But just to read it, if you can't. She lives don't move, don't breathe, there's nowhere to run, she will find you. Prophecy. I have no idea what that movie is about. Can anyone raise their hand if they've seen that movie? 1979 classic? No. Okay. I'm not going to ask you if you've seen End Times. We won't even cover the Da Vinci Code. There's a lot of stuff about prophecy in terms of foretelling, like here's the end, like here's this thing that's going to happen. It's about colors, it's about nations, it's about this. You know, I'm making light of it, but actually this can have devastating consequences as people get too invested in a particular kind of end of something and not thinking about what we can encourage the church in and the world in right now. There's a lot of things that we can know as we pray for other people, largely because even like that person, hey, does this word resonate with you? Yes. I think we can know that word was helpful. Knowing that the color red in this obscure scripture means this nation, I don't think we could really know that. And it can be really bad for us to start attaching too much. There are situations even like that right now where we can't see obvious things that are happening in the world because of confusing things people are invested in. That's prophecy confusion. Now, what is prophecy actually? You know, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, it just is the continuation of the scripture we've read. It talks about what scripture or what uh, prophecy is. Uh, the unbolded is when it talks about tongues. Uh, which if you were at, you know, the Empowered session two weeks ago, it was great. It was really helpful. But basically it's saying here that a tongue is about not speaking to people but to God. And then it says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Speaking in a tongue edifies yourself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. It's kind of interesting that the, the passage that's most helpful about prophecy also includes one about the gift of tongues, and so it can be a little confusing. I'm not saying we should do this, because again, 
We did a really good Bible study on tongues, everything. But sometimes it is a little helpful just to read it a little more clearly. Tongues are out of here. Again, not out of the body, not out of the gifts. Don't at me. Don't email me. Um, But here we can just see things pretty clearly. Follow the way of love, especially prophecy. Prophecy is about speaking to people for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. It edifies the church. Paul would rather have you prophesy. And the prophecy is something greater than tongues because the church can be edified. There's something about the whole body becoming whole versus just a personal prayer language that you do need, that's really great to have, that's really encouraging, but it's for you. And in some ways, the simple definition that we use here at ECV is, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and and, uh, encouraging and comfort. Strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. There's uh, many ways that we practice this at ECV. We do this every week as we pray for people on the side of the room. We do this in home groups. One of the most powerful experiences I've seen lately uh, was doing this at our uh, our retreat, uh, our all-church retreat, people gathering Saturday night to pray, to listen to God. One of the things that was so amazing is, you know, our roots were there, and roots from, you know, as young as they are to the oldest person in the room share what they felt God saying. And we just encouraged one another and said, hey, does that make sense to you? Does that seem to encourage you? And we noticed some themes. God seemed to be doing two things, noticing people and then promoting healing in the body. And there were several people that said, I needed this. I needed the body to say that there is a weakness, that there was hurt, that there was pain, even division, and God ministering to it and healing. Our church has been through a lot in the last year, and people were speaking to that not through their own opinions, not through their sense of, like, hey, I'm going to tell you what was wrong, what was right, but it's listening to God and seeming, hearing, I feel like God's saying, this body needs healing right now. That God's encouraging us to seek healing. One of the most encouraging things uh, in one of our prayer times, it was right before we did an update around uh, sexuality, so many of the words that we got were not actually about anything related to sex, gender, and sexuality. Most of them, I think, were actually like, seek God, center God, connect with God, worship God. And I really hope that we can do that together, you know, regardless of how people sit on how that has come across or, you know, their own participation in the body, that we can actually go and center God still and be people who are distinct but are still seeking the Lord, seeking God to be together, seeking healing in the body. And I'll, I think both nights, kids like prophesied powerfully, like alongside adults, saying God is up to stuff and we need to center God. God is noticing us, and God is healing our body. We need to pay attention to that. Last question, the hows. I think this can go a few different ways. You know, how can God speak to us? I think Todd's going to talk a lot more about this tomorrow. Um, But it can be through dreams in the night. It can be through what God calls a still, small voice, like a witness in your own heart. It can actually feel like it's your voice, but it's like weighted with the voice I think comes from God. It might not just be a, a big, booming voice that sounds like this. Like, God isn't James Earl Jones. He's just not. Or Morgan Freeman. I mean, he is in that one movie. But, like, I don't think the voice always sounds like that. Like, sometimes I think the voice sounds like ours, but with weight that matters. And we know the difference if we're discerning, just like we know the difference of that coach that speaks to us over the crowd. Obviously, scriptures, especially scripture that's highlighted to us. Sometimes I know people get verse references or people actually recall scriptures and they have to Google it or look it up to get the complete one, but God speaks to them that way. It can be through senses in your body, all the ways you can know things, whether it's, you know, taste, you know, smell, all the, God can speak through that. 
really can. There's some weird stories. I won't tell them now, but like it happens. It can be through compassion welling up, through pictures. This happens a lot at ECV, seeing something in your mind's eye. I was so, so confused about this when I came to ECV at first. They're like, oh, I see this, I see that. I'm like, you're looking at me. Like, you're not seeing a beach. Like, what are you talking about? And then someone else was like, no, imagine the last time you were at a beach. Like, actually, the last time you saw, like, a body of water. Somewhere, even though you're looking at me, like, in your mind's eye, you might be seeing an image of that place. Like, that's kind of how it happens, how God might show up in an image or a picture for you. And then even songs, like, feeling like there's songs. Sometimes they're songs that are hymns or, you know, songs we might sing here. Sometimes they're other songs. Like, they're things that are happening in the place where you hear. And we hear those uh, for one another. But the scripture also talks about just the practical parts of how. And let's read this carefully because I think we're going to do some of this together in a second. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to someone else sitting nearby, let the first person be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. So there's words that are shared, and it seems like those words are important, like they're encouraging. They're just not meant to be shouted out at the same time, but you can weigh them and test them. Now, that's really helpful for me, because guess what can happen if you weigh and test? Something can be wrong, or maybe off, and it can be okay, because you're weighing and testing. There's a place for risk in the body. I kind of often say, I think the church should be the place where we risk the most, where we try the most, and then we go out, like to the people in Fairhaven or Yale, and like, you know, hopefully the words are a little bit more accurate. Maybe, I, I think, I still practice outside. I think it's still good to risk, but I think church is actually a place not for, hey, it's church. It's got to be excellent. It's got to be for God, God's best. Like, no, this is a place where we exercise together. It's a place where we workshop together. And then as we go out in our workplace, we're hoping to build some gifting in this, but also to still try. Say, hey, I felt like I heard this for you. What do you think about that? We can be people who practice. This is what it's all about trying to grow and hearing from God for the sake of love, of doing this for God. So it's a little bit of prophecy, the why, the what, and the how. I want to share one more thing, and then we're going to uh, kind of pause for a moment and try to listen together as a body. I think when we think about why we need to hear God's voice, I want to just prompt some reflection in you so you can take a comfortable posture. I think one of the ways that we need God's voice is to answer this question, where do you need leadership in your life? Where are you maybe looking for a way, even direction? And you might need God's speech. Are you asking God about that? Have you asked others to pray for you about that? Maybe there's places where it's not necessarily like a direct question about leadership or a path, but there's just places where you're uncertain or places where you feel uncertain. Can God encourage you? Can God pray? Can God use prayer from others to speak to your uncertainty? Maybe there's people that you know in your life that don't know who God is or maybe people even in the body that you're not connected to as well, and you said, I kind of need some help here. I need God to speak, because God needs to be the one to connect me. I don't think I can do that myself. And then maybe it's a place that's a diverse space for you, where, again, you just don't really know how to kind of find your bearings. 
You need God's voice, God's leadership, God's speech to direct you when so much else is unknown. If any of those things are relevant to you, if any of those things are needs, I think you need the gift of prophecy, or you need a friend who has one, or you need a church that's practicing that, because you need some speech where there's silence now. You need some clarification where there's maybe confusion. You need some love where there might be more uh, fear or anxiety. God's voice provides all of that. So I'm going to invite you to practice. We're going to do this, um, I think, just in two different ways today. The first is uh, I'm going to just prompt you with something that's going to be listening to God for yourself. You won't have to tell this to anyone. You can at home group in your relationships, but you won't have to. It's just asking you to quiet down your mind and heart. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask God to speak to you. And I want to ask God to speak to you as a loving parent would speak to a child. So I hope the speech will be encouraging, will be connective, will be a speech that gives life, builds you up. Then we're going to do something all together. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now, especially for folks maybe who haven't done anything like this before or haven't heard your voice, I pray, God, that you would be present here. And right now, I pray that you would cancel the voice of the accuser, the one who shows up with lies. We cancel that voice. And we also pray, God, that you would help us just with regular things that we can struggle with, like distraction. And I pray instead, God, that you would speak as a loving parent. You would speak as a heavenly father, like Jesus receives from you, to encourage we're just going to take some time for you to be still. It may or may not be quiet, but for you to be still. Speak, Lord. Your servants, your friends, your children are listening. Take about 15 more seconds. Amen. Um, Again, no one will have to say what they experience, but just general show of hands, like, was that helpful or encouraging or like, did something happen for you in uh, a good way? You can just lift up your hand if you're comfortable with that. Like, some people, that was somewhat helpful. I, I think doing these practices, sometimes it is a miss, but sometimes we lean out and like something happens. And that's why it can be a regular practice for us of just trying. Because more often than not, when we try, we start to experience, first of all, I think peace 
and less anxiety, but also for some of us, a real connection with God. So thanks for doing that. The next thing we're going to do will just be uh, us trying to practice that verse in uh, 1 Corinthians, where we're going to lean out and ask God for a word for the church. So what we're going to do for this one is um, Tina's going to come up and just uh, sing a chorus of a song. And as she does, um, I'm going to have a few people, I think the Kennedys, Joel and John, if you guys can stand um, in the back or along the side, uh, they're going to be people that you, if you feel like you have a word for the church, you can share it with them. And then in a second, they'll share with all of us. In some ways, this is what we do every week. It's just a different version of it for our prayer ministry response. And so uh, Tina's going to just sing part of a song. I'm going to pray for us to hear from God. And if you feel like you're hearing something that's for the body, it could be as simple as, I feel like led to encourage the body with hope. Or it could be something that's more specific. Um, Share with John, with one of the Kennedys, with Joel, and then they'll kind of share what's next, whether you're going to come up and share alongside them or whether uh, they'll share that word with you. And they also might say, hey, that doesn't feel like a word for right now. That's okay. They're weighing and testing, and you're participating. You might have never felt like you've heard a word this way, and you will. I hope that you'll like pop up and do something. You might usually hear words, and maybe not. That's okay. You might be like, I'm not going to stand up no matter what. That's also fine. (laughs) You can uh, feel free just to let this song wash over you. But for some of us, we're going to feel encouraged to bless and minister to the body. So just want to encourage you in that. Uh, And then we'll see what God says, and then we'll move into our normal time of prayer ministry and response. God, I pray right now that you would give us the gift of prophecy. It's a spiritual gift we can ask for, and we ask for for the building up of the body, for the ways that, God, you are moving in our midst, for the ways that you can move in our midst. And so, Lord, we ask this boldly and confidently, just saying, speak to us. And would you encourage the people sitting here, whether they feel like they hear from you a lot or not, um, to hear something that's encouraging for the body. So speak, Lord, and have your way. 